0: Welcome back to Speak the Truth, a podcast that's devoted to educating, encouraging, and equipping the individual and the local church. I'm joined today in the studio with Mike Van Dyke, my husband. Hello. And Jeremy Lulick. Hello! Awesome. So last episode we ended, um, well, it was episode, what is biblical counseling? And we ended the episode saying, Hey, what's going on in the local church? And so we want to pick up there and go back to what, what is happening? What's going on? How can we encourage a local church to make biblical counseling a priority? And so that's what we're going to do today. Are y'all excited Excited to be here? Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, I'm going to be referring a lot to your book, Jeremy. Biblical biblical Counseling Basics, The uh, Roots, Beliefs, and Future. I am so much smarter in reading this book and just have been so blessed by um, your gift in writing. So thank you for, I can't even imagine how hard this must have been. So thank you for taking the time and fighting through writing this book for all of us.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for that.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. So one of the quotes that I love is it's on page 167. If any of you out there have the book already and want to follow along, but it says genuine biblical counseling cannot be effectively practiced in isolation from the church. And that is so good because it puts the counseling as more of a priority back into the church and why they should be doing it and not sending people out. And then you go into Ephesians four, which is equipping the saints. And so can you read that scripture for us today and just kind of um, share your heart on, on where you're at? and and why you feel like it's important.
1: Absolutely. In Ephesians 4, uh, starting at verse 11, um, Paul writes this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, Yes, and Paul, if you notice in the beginning, he says that he gave us apostles, the prophets and evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And I think that's where biblical counseling anchors its philosophy of of care as being definitely something that takes place within the local body of Christ. You know, we live in a culture and we talked a little bit about it in the last um, episode, but we do live in a culture where outsourcing the soul has become the norm for the pastor because they've been told you're not equipped to do this kind of stuff. But if we go back to uh, our text, if we go back to our faith, we see here the apostle Paul himself saying that God has put these different individuals in the church so that the body of Christ, the saints, the person in the pew can learn Mm -hmm. the believer. Mm can learn the ministry of the gospel of christ and i think one of the most powerful ministries that we can engage in is that of discipleship
2: and biblical counseling
0: yeah that's really good michael do you have any input on that
2: to just the reality and the implication of that text equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and kind of what you were talking about jeremy what was what's the purpose so that they're not Mm -hmm. carried away by every wind of doctrine yeah i don't think that's any more applicable Back then as it is today, if not more applicable today, because there's so many, especially with the internet, everybody's, you know, having the ability to get as much information as they, they yeah. want. So this is a huge work for the church to equip the saints, because if we're not equipping them, somebody else is. That's right. And the voices that they're going to be receiving in the world of, of psychology
1: are definitely often uh, voices that are antithetical to the gospel of Christ and what we're promised in the word of God. It's a very sad thing to me as a counselor when I see people coming in and they're far more versed in secular self-help ideas than they are on how the word of God applies to the issues that they're wrestling with.
0: Oh, that's good. That that should be convicting.
2: Self-help. Ooh. There's a good segue. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll talk about that then.
2: Well, just the idea of self-help, you go to any, well, maybe not so much anymore with Barnes & Noble and actually having the brick and mortar places to go and get these books. But even if you go into Amazon, that's the largest genre Mm -hmm. or category is being able to find self-help books. And
0: be the best version of me, huh?
2: Sounds a lot like evangelicalism <laughs> today, though, doesn't it? It does, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately.
0: So it gets back to the point of saying, "Hey, the the world is screaming loud, and and self help and secularism and all these things are coming out here, but the church needs to be just as loud and bold and courageous and equipping the saints. And we have we we've gotten lax on that. You know, I'm just speaking in in generality and not attacking a specific church. But my hope is, as pastors and and leaders and and just the saints in the church hear a podcast like this, they get encouraged to do more and, and not just attend on a, on a regular Sunday, but how are they actually living life with the individual? So do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I do. And Jeremy, I, I certainly uh, want to hear uh, from, from you as it relates to a section in your book, because I think it speaks uh, tremendously to that point, but just the idea of, you know, the local church. And it, we mentioned this a little bit in part one of this uh, where, you know, Sunday mornings are all well and good. But they're a supplement. And for most, unfortunately, that's the extent of their word. You know, mm-hmm. the, the word of God that they're receiving is, is hearing it from the pastor. And there's not a whole lot of self-feeding.
0: Well, Jeremy actually says, wise counseling is not individual self-improvement, but builds a community of faith and love. That is so good.
1: Yes. And I, I, I'll uh, throw out another resource for the listeners. It's a resource by Dr. Paul Tripp, who is uh, one of the uh, pioneers of the biblical counseling movement. And he has a great series, uh, I think it's a DVD or CD series called Your Walk with God as a Community Project. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want to go deep in terms of what does it mean as as a local body of believers to walk openly in community in discipleship, that would be a great place to start.
0: Yeah, actually, you know, we've been throwing the word discipleship. And I remember, you know, going into biblical counseling saying, well, what's the difference between counseling and discipleship? And I feel like those those words intertwined together, they're the same. When we look at the scripture, are we pulling the word counseling where, where discipleship really should be? And I kind of wrestled with that. And so one of the things that I did um, just working with Michael in the church you know, Michael is a pastor, if if any of you guys didn't know, discipleship pastor in the church is we broke down discipleship and in, in kind of segments in, in a way of saying we have intentional discipleship, which is the areas of we're just growing and encouraging people in the word and and prayer and just that one another context. And then we have intensive discipleship where we're encouraging people in specific areas that they're hurting, maybe depression, anxiety. So it's more segmented, marriage distress, and things like that. Yeah. And then we obviously have that corrective discipleship where we have those who are just um, in sin and maybe are just unrepentant in the moment. And, you know, the church has to really get involved. But here's what's interesting, guys, is intentional and intensive discipleship. When you look at those segments, that's for the body of believers. And I think here I am saying I'm someone, well, actually, I am a leader in the church, so I can't really use me As an example, but other people who are those Sunday attenders, we can, you know, start living life with someone and they're going through something and we immediately want to send them out or say, hey, who can we refer them to? And our church staff gets overwhelmed and pastors overwhelmed with um to walking with people so intensively. Well, yes, they should, and I don't want to take that away, but on the flip side. Hey, you as the the believer in the church should be in community and living life and being intentional and intensive, walking with people within your, your, uh, what would we say circle. Maybe you yeah. have any thoughts on that, Michael?
2: Yeah. Or it, kind
0: of expound on it. Maybe.
2: Yeah, this is, and honestly, this could be a whole nother piece, uh, so we could speak a little bit more at length on, uh, but just for the sake of this segment, I would say that in the local church especially with the models that are out there where, you know, especially in our area where we've got probably four at least mega churches that are some of the largest in the country. And there's no way humanly possible that one man can shepherd that many people. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reality is even, I don't even think that they could hire enough people to substantiate that work. Mm -hmm. Um, The church would have no money and it would really have no ministry and it would just implode which goes back to the text that we just read is that's
0: equipping
2: Mm -hmm. the saints for the work of ministry. For what reason? For doctrine. And is there a duration of time there? Yeah, there is. Uh, So I I think in this context, when it comes to biblical counseling, what's the difference between counseling and discipleship? It's really, there's no difference there. It's just, it's a degree, right? It's, it's changing from one degree to the next. It's, Mm Everything is discipleship. It's all intentional as Christians and walking with Christ and bearing one another's burdens and the reality of one anothering. But when it gets to the point of demand, it's going to require a whole lot more work than just sitting down and listening to a sermon. It means that I actually have to get involved in this individual's life, which is why most churches, at least for the last three decades, have really tried to have this community group model of, of just uh, getting the church in our living rooms and and having community that kind of, you know, even back to, to trips, uh, your walk with God as a community project, that whole communal reality of living in, uh, of, of, you know, the house of faith, it, it requires a lot more. And I just don't think over the time that I've been, before I was even a pastor, being a part of those community groups and the different churches that we were a part of over the years, there was no real I don't even it, like there's so many different ways to describe it, but there, it was lacking the one thing it was seeking to accommodate, which was community. Well, it just it's it easy wasn't to
0: live life together, you know, have pizza, hang out, you know, just do the normal thing. It's so fun and and fun to do that. But, you know, where we really needed it, we were in a place in our life and especially in our marriage where we needed accountability. We need someone calling us out on things that weren't lining up with scripture. And I think more people than you think want that, but we kind of tiptoe around it and we just get very chill on the showing up. Let's maybe watch something on Right Now Media. Maybe let's read a scripture passage, but we're not really going deep and saying, how is this, how are you taking the scripture and not applying it to your life right now, pretty much? And know? that's
2: not really living life with somebody. Come over to my house, man. Let's have some pizza.
0: That's a great point. Right. And
2: let's watch a, an episode or a, a, a teaching on right now media where mm-hmm. the person has done all the heavy lifting and I'm just listening to what they're saying. And hopefully I can maybe apply a little bit because we have a couple of questions after we watch the video. That is not the extended discipleship. And unfortunately, that is in most cases in evangelical churches across the country. That's exactly what it's turned into. Mm-hmm. Um, so me in my position, and I just certainly don't want to sit here and beat that, you know, that drum of a problem in the local church that we have. I actually want to be a part of it, which is largely due to the reason why we have this podcast and why we're going through Jeremy's book specifically, because he does a good job speaking to that. So
0: yeah. Anything else you want to say on that, Jeremy?
1: Well, you know, I think a, a logical question that comes from the conversation that we're having is. Uh, if if it, if you are a church leader or a, a believer that's interested in this is how do I get started in learning how to do this kind of work? And uh, I want to emphasize, as we did last week, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have a master's degree in counseling. You don't have to have a bachelor's degree in counseling. Oof. Um, <laughs> just read the word. Yes. You just okay. need the word of God. Wow. And a couple of things on that. If you're, if you're someone sitting out there right now who yeah, you're hearing this and you're feeling, I want to get more involved in something like that. Don't wait until you feel prepared. I, I had a, key. In, my, in my master's degree program, I went through that for two years, studied all of that psychology and stuff, but then they propel you into what's called a practicum. And I can tell you for the entirety of that practicum, which was two semesters, I was really clueless <laughs> in what I was doing. You, you learn counseling, you learn how to do discipleship at a deeper level by doing it. You have a a basic structure of biblical truth that you know from the word of God, but you're not going to sort of arrive to a place where you're now prepared and you're going to go in and do it. And it's going to be something simple. You just have to enter into people's lives. You have to trust that the Holy Spirit is with you and he is going to give you the words that you need to say. Something we talked about last week was primary thing is just love people. Be good listeners, hear their story and, and be present and love them. Secondly is if you do want to go a little bit deeper in your training, there are many wonderful ministries out there that offer that kind of thing. I will mention our, our ministry, the Association of Biblical Counselors, offers a certification training in Whip to counsel And you can go to ChristianCounseling.com and find out a little bit more of that. It's very biblically centered, very gospel centered. And it just, it begins to fill in some gaps that you you may have just from reading the Bible alone. In other words, answer specifically questions like, who are we? How do you deal with marriage issues? How do you deal with depression, et cetera?
0: Yeah, no, that's actually really good. And, and I think we all should, we all should look at the scriptures differently because I just know in walking through that certification specifically and other things that I studied, it's it's yes I'm learning it to help and encourage other people but boy did it change my heart mm-hmm. you know and and did I get stronger in that but then naturally as 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 I see God changing me I mean we definitely have a story of where I really deeply struggled with anger and as I saw God change my heart in that and it's a process it doesn't happen overnight I was just excited to be able to share that with other people. I mean, Mm -hmm. that excited me to care for others in that way, because I wanted to say, hey, it's, it's, yes, there are things that we're, we're doing and going to God's word, but how can we encourage other people that you can do it? I'm so glad that you shared that we don't have to be in a particular place to counsel other people. Absolutely. Because I remember when I just in studying God's word, it's like the more that I know, the more I realize I actually don't know. And so I, I was constantly learning new stuff and then thinking, man, I'm I'm dumb. Like there is so much to learn. How mm. in the world am I going to learn this? And do I just go away for a year and just leave everyone behind? But just to and clarify, just, right. it's not Daddy? dumb.
2: That's just ignorant. There is a difference. Yeah, I wanna, that's true. Wrong words. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> you
0: clarifying that. But it, well, it's just, it's just the idea of like the, the weightiness of how much there is and you want to get to a certain place to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, And you just, you just got to like say, Hey, you know, that's, that's when I was tapping into depending on me and not the Holy spirit. All right. And is when I wanted to get to a certain place, you know, at the end of the day, every time you, no matter how smart you are, or think you are when you walk into that room or you're or being intentional with someone in front of you, the Holy Spirit should be leading and guiding that conversation. Yes. It shouldn't be about what I know. It's right. about what the spirit wants to tell them and the spirit that's in work with them. Mm-hmm. And so even then as a counselor or disciple or just a sister or brother in Christ, when you're talking to someone, it isn't even about what you're saying that's going to change them, but what this what the spirit is doing within them. That's right. And in which that's going to be a whole nother podcast that we talk about, about um, the Holy Spirit and counseling, which I'm excited to get to that. But here's another quote that I want to share from your book. It's on page 170. And then I want you to talk a little bit, Jeremy, about this, because as we see in scripture, a lot of things about our heart. You have a scripture here. He says, the health of each and every human being within the body of Christ is paramount since each and every person is a part of the other. And this is on page 170. If, if you guys out there have the book, and want to follow along. It says, just as the health of my heart, a part of my body is critical to my overall physical well-being. So is the spiritual well-being of my neighbor critical to the overall well-being of Christ's body, the church. Failing to minister to my neighbor is a, is like ignoring the glaring symptoms of my imminent imminent heart attack. Like, hello, mm-hmm. <laughs> I yes. mean, it's kind of saying you can't ignore what's going on with your neighbor, with your brother and sister in Christ. And so, like, expound on that. That was so good.
1: Yeah, you know, if I think uh, a measure of our love for Christ can be found in how willing and interested we are in tending to others within His body. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about the body of Christ here and the significance of really living out the mandate that he called us to. Uh, the two greatest commands is to love God and to love our neighbor. And so if we really love our neighbor, we, we're we going to be interested. We're going to ask questions. We're going to go into places that are very uncomfortable where we don't know the answers, but we struggle and uh, down the path of suffering together or sin uh, together, if we really love our neighbor, that's the kind of thing that that we're going to be doing. you know otherwise and and this goes back to that Ephesians passage, people might give in to voices that are not of the Lord. We live in a culture of psychology. Uh, we breathe psychology within this culture, and if we are not going to be intentional in reaching out and loving others in the body of Christ, then we leave them to other voices that will Probably motivate them towards quote solutions that have nothing to do with the gospel, nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, great example, years ago, you know, the self for, you know, when Paul talks about cunning schemes and different doctrines, mm-hmm. psychology has a doctrine and it's very man centered, it's very human centered. And that doctrine has brought all kinds of different ph- uh, philosophies into the church. Uh, one of them is a very secularized, Human centric understanding of self esteem. So, when I was starting my practice, it was very common, and that this was back in like 1999, 2000. Uh, self help was huge within the Christian church. And I would have people come in and they would be struggling with depression or struggling with anxiety. And it was almost the pat solution, the pat answer for them was help me with my self esteem uh, to believe in myself more. And then I'll be okay. I I won't be as depressed. I won't be as anxious around people. Mm -hmm. And they were drawing this from Christian teachers, Christian psychologists, Christian counselors who were writing books at the time, who took the commands of Christ, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And they created a third command. So the commands are love God, love neighbor and love self. And until you love self, you can't love God or neighbor. So they added something to that, which, completely made the counseling process about make me feel better, lift me up, esteem self. That's a doctrine. And a lot of my work at that time was just to reconstruct the idea that this is not
2: about loving self. This is about dying to self and learning to love God and other people. I'm sitting here looking at John 13, 34 and 35 in that new commandment that Jesus gives his disciples when he was in the upper room with them. And what you're saying, you know, when Jesus was quoting that in his earthly ministry, when he was walking around and Mm -hmm. talking to the crowds, he was acknowledging, we know you love yourself. Therefore, you know what I mean? So it, it was a given, but in this particular context where this new commandment is, love one another as I have loved you. That sacrificial love, that not love me as I love myself, because of course I love myself, but the reality is that means the focus stays on me. Mm. It's not no longer Christ, where Christ is now trying to reorient that, say no, love one another as I have loved you. That's so excellent. it's taking it off the horizontal mm-hmm. and focusing it on the vertical.
0: So I mean, you know, hearing you guys say these things, it's it's just so. Seems like common sense to say people can't if I'm if I'm broken or I'm going through something, especially like suffering in general, like there's no other place to get help than from the scripture from the church. So, Michael, as a pastor, where where do you think um, our churches are falling short today and making this almost like the last ministry that we do, if we even put it in the church and and make children's ministry or women's men's ministry. Obviously I'm on women's ministry, so I, it is important. And I'm not taking away from that, but why is kind of recovery ministry or intensive discipleship, you know, AKA biblical counseling ministry, kind of like this sub thing and not as important uh, for churches today. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Man, that is a loaded question. Very good question. Very, very loaded question. Um, and I would say to answer that quickly and concisely that the easiest way to approach that unfortunate reality is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry back to Ephesians 4. But that is taking the saints in the leadership development piece where we're taking the saints and we're being intentional um, instead of telling them, Hey, go disciple people have community groups, you your community group leader, and they've never technically been discipled. We're asking them to do something that has nothing like they, it's never been done with them. So we're asking them to do something they can't produce. And so it's really on us, the, the pastors to help really cultivate that and, and develop those, those leaders in the church. So when it comes to community group leaders, uh, sitting with them, and actually I know personally for me, one of the. One of the, the pathways in our leadership development that I'm putting together is, is actually this book is going to be part of the reading requirements for yeah. becoming a community group leader, uh, along with some other material, because a community group leader is an under shepherd, right? Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, you're, you're inviting people into your home, you're opening up the word of God, you're sitting underneath that authority, and you're actually administering that authority to those who are in your house. Mm-hmm. So I want my community group leaders to realize the weight of that responsibility. And not a, not create, unfortunately, what's in a lot of churches, this, if you can read, you can lead mentality, where pop in a video, let everybody else do the hard work, and then you just have a quick little discussion as a facilitator. That's not discipleship either. So there's a lot of different ways I could answer that. Um,
0: well, I think just, you don't know, even chair me too. Said, you know, maybe people feeling inadequate and thinking, you know, I can't do it and leave that to someone else. When in reality, we're all a counselor, we're all the everyday counselor, which is, you know, an article that I write every month for Society Life magazine. And and wanting to just empower and encourage, you know, really everybody, you're given opinions all the time, people. So how can we turn it into wisdom? And so, where do you think, or how can we encourage people? in the church today to not try to be in a particular way to know it all, as Jeremy's mentioned, um, but to be more intentional.
2: Yeah. And, and again, this goes, not back just to a
0: leadership development, I guess is what I wanted to clarify, but just like the everyday right equipping
2: know. the whole body versus, you know, the 10% of your body who want to step up and lead and be a part of every ministry and yes. every opportunity available. Yeah. Um, and I would say, um, f- really for the churches to, um, create, and and I'll give a lot of props to Robbie Gallaty when it comes to creating a pathway for discipleship for your body, it's it's following a map, not a menu for discipleship mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, well, we offer all these things. Mm-hmm. Take your pick. No, it's it, there's one pathway to discipleship. And again, what we're reading in Ephesians 4 is first, we got to know God's word. I can't effectively really work with people or disciple people and love my neighbor as myself or the way that Christ kind of, you know, modified that command and, and loving each other as he has loved us. There's no way I'm going to be able to effectively do that if I don't know God's word. So yes.
0: get, so devotionals are kind of the extra, not the go-to for my right. daily scripture reading. Right.
2: So, and and again, this is groundwork. This is basic level that I think that we have just taken for granted. And and I'll say something else to this. I think this also comes down to what the church has unfortunately done is offer convenience to the to, to the onlooker of the church mm-hmm. i'm offering you convenience let me like, like this is how easy and seamless this is and in, in your walk with Jesus, and then we wonder why they don't commit to him in doing certain things that require the hard lifting of discipleship, so we draw them in with convenience, and then when we ask them to commit to something to actually walking with Jesus and doing something like Christ says to count the cost, we don't present the cost when we're when we're asking people to come and follow Jesus mm-hmm. you know yeah. so it, I mean, what we're trying to do and offer is, is going against the grain right now and, and it's difficult work, but I'm wholeheartedly convinced or, and uh, t- to kind of use a Paul Tripp statement, I'm deeply persuaded <laughs> that um, it's, it's going to be a lot of work with one another and, you know, to the lay person just to. All it takes is one person who understands God's Word and loving one another and beginning to do that, and then that's going to be infectious enough to where, man, this person's doing something. they they really know the Lord, and it's not that they just, you know, like in the last episode where we talked about providing pat answers in a communal context mm-hmm. where because yes. that's that's not helpful. But when you sit down and you listen to somebody, it's kind of like even in the last episode where you talked on, you know, love, know, speak, and do uh, from from Tripp's book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands is that's, that's really all we have to do is just sit down and listen to our friends. But we have to do that with a biblical lens and a biblical worldview is how can I present Christ in this situation? How can I love them? How can I present the work of the Holy Spirit in and through this situation? Am I realizing that God has given me this moment to speak into this person's life?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it just again, so really all we're doing to, to even speak to that, Shauna, is just walking in that level of awareness. To yeah. say it another way.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I I hear from one, it's saying when you're in those conversations and those intentional conversations to just, you know, share the scripture that you are learning, you know, pray for them in that moment, be active listeners. And I love that. Um, Also, one of the things that I love that you're doing is, you know, as a discipleship pastor, you could come in and get so overwhelmed by how many people are in the church and the urgency and the need of what to do. And it's not about really plowing, a, you know, 100 acres, but saying, let's start with the five acres. So who are the few? That I can do leadership development, or just really walk with, be intentional, model discipleship for them, and then let them naturally multiply. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that's there's what the, Jesus did. Yeah, yeah, there's the process of saying you can go in the church. So, like, ladies, if you're listening, men out there. Um, you know, just where is your little close circle to where you can start being intentional? I think you're about to start meeting with six or seven guys on a Wednesday and saying, Hey, these are the ones that I want to intentionally pour into model what discipleship looks like. And then those five, eight, 10, however many you're starting small, then can go multiply and, and do five, 10. And then before you know it, you got this whole multiplication, um, shockwave of discipleship, intensive counseling out there. Um, And so that, that's a tip that that I just picked up that, you know, kind of resonated with me, but Jeremy, do you have any final thoughts before we close out today on, um, you know, just encouraging, um, that, you know, everyday counselor, that everyday discipler in the church to, um, to be more intentional.
1: Yes. A couple of things. I love what you just said, Shauna, because that, that is the pathway. Just starting with a few people can change a lot. We work with many churches throughout the country, the Association of Biblical Counselors. Mm-hmm. There's a particular church in Oregon, and they started with a very small class, took those individuals through equipped to Counseling. The next year, it doubled, and they just continued to do it to the point that now uh, biblical counseling was very sparse in Oregon, where they lived. Now, all of the churches in their community are now coming to This particular church to learn training in biblical counseling, but it started with a small group and just being committed and doing it. Secondly, and this is the most comforting thing for me as a counselor, when I'm sitting with someone, um, the tendency can be, do I have the answer? Am I equipped enough? Um, am I saying the right things? Am I asking the right questions? And Those are all good things to be thinking about. But the most important thing, the bottom line for all of us, if we are sitting down with a Christian, is that the God of the universe, the Redeemer who came to give his life, the Holy Spirit, the whole Trinity, is more committed to accomplishing his perfect purposes in that person's life than anyone in the room. And to know that I may not give the perfect answer or I may not. Uh, have knocked it out of the park, so to speak, with my counsel, but to be able to walk away from that situation, knowing there's a, a God far more faithful than me, uh, far more powerful than me, who is going to accomplish his perfect plans according to uh, his perfect will in that individual's life. That's my bottom line as a counselor. And that helps me every day when I go in and and try my best to help others.
0: Man, that is so good. And that really uh, takes us to our next episode, which is uh, counseling with God in mind. So we're going to end there today. And I pray that uh, all of you men and women who are listening uh, here to this podcast right now, that you take what we're saying and go to your church, go to your teaching pastor, go to your discipleship pastor, go to your community group, and, and let's get counseling, biblical counseling back into the church.